The physical changes are secondary. It's the mental transformation that gets people hooked on health and fitness. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast, where you've come to grow your mind in order to transform your body. I'm your host, Deanna. Let's dive right in. It's Q&A day, baby, and I am fired up to dive into these questions. You guys supplied the Qs. I will be supplying the As and very excited for these topics. A little bit of everything as far as personal development, as far as fitness, as far as each of your individual journeys, and I am psyched. I'm fired up. Thank you to any and everyone who did submit a question. I truly wish, and maybe I'll get back to this at some point, I truly wish I could just rapid fire answer them all, but if you've been listening to the show and you know me at all, I've got a lot of things to say, and nobody needs to hear me talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end on all of the questions, so I picked my top three. Yes, I'm a little biased. These are the questions I wanted to answer. It's my dang podcast, and that's what we're going to do, so thank you each for tuning in, and if you are brand new here. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast. I am your host, Deanna, and I am fired up, as always, to discuss today's topic. So for anyone who is new, if you are interested in getting a little bit more in-depth on any of the topics that we cover for today's show, uh, whether that be Q&A specific or if you're going back and you're listening to other episodes and you're like, shit, I needed to hear that shoot, she's talking directly to me. Shit, I've been there too. Guess what? We all have. And that is the purpose of this show is to bring you my experiences, my wins, my losses, my highs, my lows, and try to find some way in this crazy world to connect us all together. Because whether you realize it or not, we are all one in the same. And in some capacity, we've gone through similar stories, similar experiences, similar highs and lows. And what better way to navigate this crazy fucking life than to come together and do it as one. So if you want to continue joining in on the conversation, you can go ahead and tap the link in today's bio, uh, today's description rather, and join in on the Mental Reps Podcast Facebook group, the MRPFBG. No, I did not plan that, but how good does that sound? We will be continuing the conversation in there, continuing to connect with other like-minded individuals on their fitness journey, doing the damn thing. Let's dive in. Q&A. Let's get it. Question number one reads, and truly a question that I get asked, I would argue almost every single day. This question says, can you lose weight without cardio? I'm trying to lose body fat and have always heard that cardio is the way to do it. What are your thoughts? Oof, I got a lot of them. I got a lot of thoughts on this question. In short, can you lose weight without cardio? Yes. Hell yes. Absolutely. A thousand and one percent. Yes. Let's break down exactly what it takes to lose weight. And when I say lose weight, I also want to specify, which I'm not going to continue to specify on the show. I'm going to kind of blanket statement it right now. So when I refer to losing weight, you guys know what I mean. I'm talking about losing body fat because the idea of losing weight and looking more toned, looking more defined, looking leaner, that doesn't come from just losing weight. That comes from losing body fat while also simultaneously retaining your muscle mass. Without that muscle mass, we don't look lean, we don't look toned, we don't look defined. So losing weight, I'm referring to as losing body fat, which is like the ideal form of weight loss. And that's not always the case for how people lose weight. But in a perfect world, that's what we're aiming for. So when I'm talking through this question, I'm talking about losing body fat. So can you lose body fat without cardio? Absolutely. Yes, you can. Now, in order to lose body fat, for anyone out there. And yes, there are always exceptions. Yes, there are always complexities. Yes, there are rare situations, blah, 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 blah. In order to lose body fat, you need to be in a caloric deficit. I know every single one of you has heard that term before, but basically what that means is that you need to be eating, consuming less calories than the amount that you are burning 
on a regular basis. And that calorie burning comes from a number of different factors. It comes from your workout. It comes from your BMR. It comes from your neat calories, the calories you spend just sitting there, tapping your foot, brushing your teeth. If you're like me and you're Italian and you talk with your hands, you're burning calories while you're doing that. All of that combined is your daily caloric expenditure. Now, the amount that you are consuming or eating every day has to be less than that. When you are in that situation and you put your body in that situation, it has no option but to burn its own body fat for fuel. So then we are losing body fat during that time. The tricky part is this is not a daily or a single day process. You don't go into a calorie deficit for one day and say, whew, thank God I burned that body fat off. I had to do a little extra this, that, whatever. I'm good to go. You have to do it very slowly, very strategically over time, consistent as ever in order for the physical changes to actually appear because a small calorie deficit one day means nothing. A small calorie deficit for two days means nothing. A small calorie deficit for a week probably means nothing. But a small calorie deficit repeated over the course of the month, shit, we could have lost five pounds of body fat. You're in a different size jeans. Your clothes are fitting better. Your energy's higher. You're starting to see some definition through your abs. Do it for two months, even more. Do it for five, six plus. There, we're starting to see a lot more progress. And therein lies the problem with cutting or body fat loss or seeing progress in that regard is it takes a long time. And everyone and their mothers wants to see progress at the rapid pace of light. And it just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if anybody tells you it can happen, they're selling you some bullshit that's probably going to take, you know, three or four days to lose five pounds. You're going to lose the five pounds. You're going to gain 10 back. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, how do we do that? How do we establish a calorie deficit? We have to eat less. There's also another option. We can move more. Think about it like point A and point B. We can either fluctuate variable A or we could fluctuate variable B. Or if you are smart, you fluctuate a little bit of each one. You don't go ham on the calorie expenditure, how much you're active for the day. You don't go crazy in that regard, but you also don't go crazy in your calorie deficit. You do a little bit in each direction. So how does cardio play a role or not play a role in that situation. If you are someone who has zero time, extra time in your day, you have, you know, 45 minutes in the gym that you can get to three or four times a week. There's really nothing else you can give. There are cardio sessions. It's not happening. Can you still lose weight? Absolutely. But when people run into a little bit of an issue and if that is something that you're in, if that's a situation that you're in, you really only have one choice, right? Choice A, move a little more. Choice B, eat a little less. If you can't move a little more, you can't add in cardio sessions. You have to go under the impression that we have to eat a little bit less. We have to create a calorie deficit from less consumption. So there in that deficit, individual Sally Q, Susie J, whatever your name is, you can lose body fat because you've created that deficit by eating less food. Now, if you do have the option and the availability to do cardio, does that always mean you have to? Also, no. No. If you are someone who started a cut, you decreased calories a little bit. Maybe you're eating 200 less calories a day than you typically have, or you are eating 300 less, or you're eating 200 less and you're getting an extra thousand steps in for the day, which I don't consider steps cardio. Anyone who considers getting your steps in as cardio, you're wrong for that. Cardio, like you're sweating, your heart rate's up, you're moving, you're grooving. It's like a finite period of time, not just like I'm getting my steps in throughout the day. I don't count that. But if you are someone who decreased a little bit of your calorie intake, cool. And you're like, all right, instead of 10K steps every day, I'm going to get 11K steps in. And the scale is coming down. Changes are happening. Your progress photos look good. Definition is showing up. Boom, you're losing weight. You don't have to get your ass on the Stairmaster. In fact, I would argue and, and kind of promote that you shouldn't. 
because sometimes going crazy ham on the Stairmaster or super sweaty or adding in all these hit sessions and you're almost putting your body in a worse position because now your calories burned throughout the day is now so high because you're like, oh, I'm in a cut. Time to change everything. I need to be the most active human being on the face of the earth. And your calorie intake probably winds up needing to go up because you're like, fuck, I'm starving. I can't stick to this. There's no way I can continue at the pace of five lifts a week and three hit sessions and a bunch of steps with the current calories I'm at right now. But that's kind of a mind fuck for people because you're like, well, I started a cut and now I'm really hungry. Like how in the I can't eat more. My cut's not going to work. But you did things the wrong way like an idiot and you just went too ham on the movement side of things. So my piece of advice when it comes to losing fat with or without cardio, it's small changes. If you are someone who I genuinely kind of enjoy it, kind of enjoy getting sweaty, kind of enjoy my heart rates up. I like blasting my music and just getting the fuck after it. Like I have no issues with that. I would recommend adding in cardio sessions when needed. You start your cut on a Monday, you don't need to add cardio in that day. Just make a small adjustment to nutrition, give it a week or two, see how your body responds. Then you can add in cardio if things are not moving forward. Or if you're like, I cannot eat any less food, this is my cap, then maybe we move a little bit more. So add in, you know, two Stairmaster sessions for the week. Start slow, then add in maybe three, then maybe add in, you do your three and then maybe up your steps a little bit. Like it really just depends on how your body's responding and also your adherence to the protocols that you are creating. Because if you are creating this crazy, unsustainable, again, you might see a little bit of progress, but you're not going to be able to stick with it. And then the work you're putting in doesn't mean shit. So you absolutely can lose weight, can lose body fat without doing that cardio. If you increase your overall activity for the day, you decrease your calories a little bit and you're sitting pretty in that calorie deficit, the fat loss will happen. The only thing that cardio specifically is doing is creating a further deficit so that either A, you don't have to lower your calories as much or B, you get your results a little bit faster. But there is a caveat to that. It's not just more cardio, more results, quicker, quicker, quicker. You will hit a breaking point. You will hit a plateau. That's a whole different conversation. So do not automatically assume that cardio is the answer to all of your problems. It is a tool just like anything else. It is a tool just like lowering your calories in a cut is a tool. So you can do it without it. It is beneficial for some people to make that process a little bit easier if you're not in a position to want to lower your calories, but it's not super necessary. I always like to do either hit sessions or Stairmaster are kind of my main two. And then, of course, hitting a step goal every day as well. Rolling right into question number two. This one says, what's one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? And at first I saw this question asked and I'm like, ah, I can't answer that. I got 15 different things I would tell my younger. I got 25, I have a million different things I would tell my younger self, which also makes me crack up a little bit because my younger self, I am young. I consider myself very young with a lot of life to live, with also a lot of life I have lived, a lot of experiences and things like that. But at the ripe old age of 24, like I feel like whatever response I give right now, I'm going to come back and listen to this in 10 years and be like, that fucking idiot. Like that's what she said. Like I just, I have a lot of growing and learning and maturing left to do. But again, I do have the experiences that I've grown up with and a lot of life lived. So I'm, I'm going under that impression. So one piece of advice I would give to my younger self, and I did do a little thinking on this prior to the episode, and I'm so sorry, I could not nail down one. I've got two. I've got two. I figured that was good. I figured nobody out there was going to kill me. Like two things we can stick with. If I rattled off about 55 different things, y'all would be like, all right, not really helpful. So one piece of advice, well, two pieces of advice I would give my younger self. Number one, and to kind of sum this up, it is entirely okay to want different things than the people around you. And in my brain, I don't know, when I read this question, that for some reason was the first thing I wanted to spit out. 
And I never really considered myself, I don't know, like a people pleaser or just like a go with the crowd. Like I've honestly wholeheartedly have always considered myself a leader. I've always considered myself kind of like, you know, I stand my ground. I speak for myself. I have my values, my this, but like as I get older and I think back to, you know, college, I think back to high school, I think back to really like the younger version of me. I don't really know. I don't really know if I did, or I guess not to the extent that I do now. So it really did stem from, and this is again, after kind of reflecting on this, stem from wanting to kind of always fit in, in a sense, but more so really never wanting to stand out. (laughs) And I didn't really care so much. Like everyone around me had to like me like, yeah, yeah, I guess. But I didn't ever really want to feel different or like isolated or not doing what the crowd was doing. And truthfully, I think a lot of that comes from me always being on a team. So I was constantly always surrounded by other girls, right? Gymnastics, all girls doing the thing specifically in college, we're all like the same age group on the team. Like it is important. Anyone who says it's not important, you're lying. It's important that these people like you. It's important that you feel like you fit in. It's important that you feel like you have a family around you. So being very different is not, at least in me and in how I approached it, that was not the move. I don't have that level of like, I am who I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And I always conformed my thoughts, behaviors, actions, choices, decisions to what the other people around me were doing. Luckily enough, being on a division one gymnastics team, you know, studying a similar field that a lot of my other teammates were, it's not that these people were entirely different for me as far as like on paper, it was the mindset aspect. The way that I thought about certain things or approached certain things or wanted to spend all day on a Saturday getting ahead on all of my schoolwork so that I could have a leisurely day on Sunday, like that kind of shit was just different. It was just weird. It's not like they wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. Like we were all kind of on the same page, at least in some capacity, but I never really spoke to that. Like we all wanted to go out to happy hour on a Friday. All right, I'm going to happy hour on a Friday. When like deep down, I'm like, I don't fucking want to go. I'm so tired. The weather's shitty. I want to lay in bed, snuggle up with a blanket, watch a movie. But like I would, and this is a very specific example, but like I would have never said that back then. I got myself all geared up, put on 15 pounds of makeup, and I headed out to happy hour on a Friday to go drink with people that I wasn't really interested in with conversations that kind of bored the shit out of me little things like that. And I noticed it, you know, in college a ton. I definitely noticed in high school as well with, you know, I had my group of friends and and all of that. I just, the mindset side of things, the way that I thought, the way that I behaved, the way that I thought about, you know, wanting to get prepared for something or set myself up for something or get ahead of the game. That was never how my peers viewed things. It was always that, you know, last minute we'll figure it out or kind of procrastination this or, oh yeah, yeah, that's assignment. You know, it'll get done. And my brain is not going to get done. It needs to get done now kind of deal. And I was so scared to stand out, to say no to certain things, to be different. And not different in what I liked and what I valued, because again, I was around people who were very similar to me, but just the way that I approached things. And I was kind of always a little, I don't want to say shy, because I wasn't, I'm not really a shy person, but more so soft-spoken. I, I was never the one to speak out about something, um, was never the one to, you know, be the first one to raise my hand, never like the front of the class, nothing like that. I just... I would sit in the back, but like I knew the right answers. I would, you know, not say anything to my coach, but, you know, knew exactly what he was talking about. Just like things like that, where I kept things very internalized because me, I'm not going to be the one to say it. Nope. Even if I knew it was what it was, I knew what the right answer was. I knew what the right choice was. Like I just kept a little bit to myself. 
Um, and it wasn't really until I recognized, and this is a very new realization. It wasn't until I recognized that I don't want to do blank, blank, blank. I, that doesn't make me feel good. I don't want to, oh, you're in your twenties. Like, I don't want to be going out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, getting hammered. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not me. And I've never been okay saying that. I've never been okay making choices for that. I've never been okay living my life and doing the things that make me feel good. So it wasn't until I really started doing that. And this is probably post college, you know, a couple months, years, even after that of like really getting into lifting, really getting into fitness, really getting into health, really, really kind of circulating my life around shit that makes me feel good, conversations that uplift me, people that are going to help me grow. It wasn't until I started doing that where I felt like I was actually gaining confidence. So it's not that I lacked it before. It was kind of like this internal confidence or this very soft-spoken confidence. But now I'm like, I know what I want. I know who I want to be. I know the direction I want to go. I know the shit that's worth my time and the shit that is not. And if I were to go back and tell my younger self something, it would be to fucking like be okay with that. Be okay thinking different. Be okay taking different actions. You don't have to fall in line with what everybody else is doing in order to, you know, feel good. It's actually quite the opposite. You start falling in line with the, the actions of others and you start to feel worse. You start to feel like you're losing yourself a little bit. You don't really know who you are. Like my identity, who I am, which I feel very confident in right now, has never been more solid. It has never been more me. And I've never been more proud of who I am as well. And my younger self was definitely insecure and definitely a little timid and definitely a little like whose eyes are on me and they're watching. And like the younger me would have never stepped foot in a new gym by myself, only girl in there, like headed straight to the dumbbells and started repping out lateral raises. Like that would have never happened ever, 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 ever. And maybe if I even potentially got the balls to do that, I would have had a hat on looking down at my feet saying, oh fuck, get me the fuck out of here. But I'm so secure in who I am now and, and what makes me feel good and the actions I have to take to get there, that I'm okay that it's different. I'm okay being the only girl in the weight room. I'm okay having a podcast where I speak on things that are kind of a little bit different than maybe other people in the fitness journey or in the fitness industry. And my journey is is my own and I have never taken ownership of that the way that I have now. So if I were to tell my younger self something, it's speak up, speak up, be okay being different, find what you genuinely enjoy and that is what's gonna build that confidence. Now, on the total opposite side of advice I would give my younger self, which this one is, it's something that I would love to tell my younger self, that I currently tell my present self, and that I will probably be telling myself for the next 35 years of my life. And that is that life is not a to-do list. I'm gonna say it again. Life is not a to-do list. Your day, your months, your years are not about how many things you can check off as got that done, finished this, moved on to the next thing, cool, cross that off. Like that's not living. And I'm fully talking to my present self right now because that is entirely the lifestyle I am sucked into to nobody's fault but my own. And when your days start becoming about your to-do list, and you just check things off the list. You check that box, go to sleep, wake up, check the next box. You will look back on the next 30 years or the last 30 years rather of your life and be like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck happened? Where, where did it go? You're just going to bypass that time waiting for the next to-do list, waiting for the next checklist, waiting for the next success, waiting for the next. Life is about now. Life is about being present in what's currently happening. 
your to-do list, your responsibilities, your work, your chores, your it will get done. It will get done. But focusing and fixating your life, the one life that we get to live, on simply making sure that things get done, that's not a way to live. It's a sad, sad, sad way to live. And you will, and I'm saying you, but it's me. I'm talking to myself. This is totally a me episode. Oh, it's hit me in the feels a little bit. But you will look back and regret every second that you spent just strictly working on your to-do list. Slow down. Take a different course. Breathe for a second. Do something out of your routine. Do something that scares the shit out of you. Book a fucking last-minute vacation. All the cliche shit you hear on social media. Like, it's true. Because these years, these days, these minutes, you don't get them back ever. And that's not to say that shit doesn't have to get done and there will be busy days in your life where it is strictly just about the to-do list. That's fine. We do still have to be productive members of society. I get it. But find a little bit of, of gratitude in where you are right now. For me personally, my, my younger self dreamed, dreamed, wished, hoped, journaled about living in somewhere warm, living in a city, being able to grab my laptop and walk to a coffee shop for work. Fucking guys, I live that. I live that right now. That is actually my life. And all I am focused on is my to-do list. All I'm focused on, wake up the second I'm out of bed, I'm like, what do I have to get done today? I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to go here. I got to da 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 Check, 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 check. Go to sleep and get up. Whoa. Whoa. I don't want to look back 10 years from now and be like, bro, you didn't even appreciate it. Because another thing I would tell my younger self is, unfortunately, these years just get harder. You just have more shit on your plate and more responsibilities and a lot more life happening very, very quickly. And if you can't learn to slow down and appreciate the now of where you are, you will never get to that point. Because like I said, I dreamt of, I mean, this isn't even going back to like high school days. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I didn't really know, but this is like when social media started to get a little bit bigger. Like I've seen all these people travel and work from home and work on their laptop and create their own business and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how cool is that? But like, that could never be me. Like, holy fuck. That is me. That is me. And I like to tell myself that I'm appreciating where I'm at in life, but I know I'm not. Not to its fullest, not to the fullest extent. So my younger self, my current self, my future self, every single one of you, be present and appreciate where you're at right now. Even if it isn't like, oh, wow, this is, I dreamt of this moment. It doesn't matter. Because at one point or another, you had to work to get to where you are right now. And you're going to have to work to get to where you want to be. But that doesn't mean you don't enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process of getting there and try your very fucking best to appreciate it because these moments are fleeting. Who knows where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing in the next year. That scares the shit out of me. And I don't want to look through the next year and be like, damn, I really wish I could go back a year and like appreciate that better. I want to appreciate it now. So life is not a to-do list. It's not about a checklist of shit to just get done because that list is forever ongoing, forever growing, forever being added to. And if you only focus on exactly what that list is, that's all you're ever going to get out of this one life that we get to live. So that's what I would tell my younger self. I'd probably shed a tear if I was hearing that from, you know, the me, I'm 24 right now, me, 14 years old, would probably hear this and be like, oh my God, you made it? Like, that's so cool. I can't believe you're living in North Carolina and you're walking to a coffee shop and you get to work with women online and you get to, and right now I'm like, fuck, I got to do this. I got to do that. I need to appreciate my life. And so do each of you. Okay. This is advice that every single one of us can benefit from. And I really strongly, strongly encourage you to just be a little bit more present in the current moment, even if it's not exactly where you want to be.
Heading back into fitness for question number three, three of three for today. This one says, skinny fat is my default. I train super hard, but don't see progress. Where the heck do I start? I feel you on this one. And this is something, this is a conversation that I have had with dozens and dozens and dozens of clients when I start working with them right off the bat. It's it's exactly that. It's the second piece, where do I start? Totally feel you on that one. But it's the skinny fat. So again, I'm going to reread it. Skinny fat is my default. I train super hard, but don't see progress. Where do I start? So my initial knee-jerk reaction, and again, I don't know the ins and outs of your current situation, your current lifestyle, exactly what training hard means. I'm just taking this for, you know, taking it at value with the words that are written here. My initial response is that this individual is not eating enough and specifically not eating enough protein. So let's kind of break this down a little bit as to why that's my response and what the heck skinny fat is in case any of you are like, I do not know. I've never heard that term. So skinny fat in short basically means that you're, it sounds silly, you're skinny, you're little, you're small, maybe from like the exterior, you've got clothes on, you're thin, right? You're thin. Nobody would ever think that you're overweight, but take off the layers of clothes, right? We don't have any definition. Things are kind of a little squishy. Uh, skin's maybe a little bit saggy. Like you're skinny, you're thin, but you're not, you're not, <laughs> you're fat underneath that skin, if it makes sense, even if it's not a big layer of fat. So what that typically comes down to is losing weight or being at a, at a low enough weight where you are still thin, but not having any bit of muscle mass. If you don't have any muscle on your body, any muscle beneath that skin, all you are left with is body fat and then bones. Hence the flabbiness, hence the squishiness, hence the lack of definition. Muscle definition, lean, toned, defined, veins, cuts through your shoulders, all those things, that doesn't come from being skinny. That comes from having muscle mass. So for this individual being skinny fat and having probably little muscle, right, working super hard but not seeing progress, we need to define how the heck you start seeing progress, specifically how you start building up muscle mass to have a better physique, a better body composition at your current weight. So building muscle, we are going to need to be, like I said, eating probably more than you currently are right now. In order to build muscle, we do need to be eating at least at your maintenance level. And this is something that I see with a lot of women that I work with is we are chronic under eaters. I say we because I have been there. So if you are constantly under eating, you're eating a little bit here, kind of picking out a little bit something there. Maybe you had some granola bar for lunch and then you had a couple chips for dinner. Like you're eating like a bird. You are not giving your body the fuel that it needs to build muscle. Even if you are quote unquote training super hard, as this individual says, in the question. It does not matter how hard you train if you don't have the ingredients in the muscle building recipe, aka the calories and protein coming in, your body is not able to build muscle. So you could squat your life away, you could do as many Bulgarian split squats as humanly possible, hit about thousands of bicep curls. If you do not have the calories and the protein coming in, you are not going to be able to actually build muscle. So if you are coming from a place of under eating, you're not really eating enough, you know you're not getting enough protein, and a good rule of thumb for protein, guys, is eating about 1 to 1.2 grams of protein daily per pound of body weight. And if you want to get real specific with that, per pound of lean body weight, if you have a weight loss goal of over 50 pounds. But if you don't have a weight loss goal of over 50 pounds, aim for about 1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 100 pounds, that's about 100 or so grams of protein every single day. 
So if you're coming from a place of not eating enough, specifically not eating enough protein, you cannot jump from that to now eating 1800 calories, 120 grams of protein, all this carbs, you cannot do that from a Monday to a Tuesday. You will absolutely gain weight. You will absolutely be frustrated. You're absolutely going to say, I feel fluffy. I feel really full. I don't know how people do this. You're going to wind up quitting. You're going to wind up giving up. You're going to wind up going back to under eating. And hence the skinny fat process will start again. You have to go through a reverse dieting phase, which basically means doing that at a very slow pace to allow your body and your metabolism to adapt enough to be able to make that adjustment. Nothing in life can get totally flipped up on its head, night and day difference in one day and just be good. If all of a sudden everyone in America, we made a new law tomorrow that says you now need to drive backwards, take your car, put that shit in reverse. That is how we are all driving. Do you know how many car accidents there'd be? You know how many people would be in an uproar? There'd be people not even leaving the house as would that would be me. I, I don't fucking know how to drive backwards. That would be absolutely bizarre. And everyone would be like, that is absurd. If that's actually what we're going to do, okay, we need new driving lessons. We need new driving laws. We need to do this. We need to slowly start it. Yes, because that is a complete change from your norm. So same thing applies. Going from under eating to now eating a good amount of calories, eating a decent amount of protein from one day to the next is bizarre. Your body does not know how to make that adaptation in a matter of 24 hours. A reverse diet is necessary. And if you want to learn more about reverse dieting, I did an entire episode on exactly what that looks like, the ins and outs of moving calories around, why you do it, when to know when you're done with it. I'm not going to cover it too much today, but if you are like, wait, whoa, whoa, what is that? I need to know. Go back, scroll through a little bit further down in the podcast, and you will see a reverse dieting 101 episode. Highly recommend giving that a listen. So going through that process, now eating a little bit more, eating more protein, which I always recommend at least 80% of your protein coming from actual whole food sources. Things like chicken, uh, ground turkey, ground beef, eggs, egg whites, salmon, uh, tuna, Greek yogurt, things like that, actual food, and then 20% of your protein for the day coming from a protein powder right? Because at the end of the day, it's very difficult for a lot of us to hit our protein with just purely meats. Or if you are a vegetarian, even more so, very difficult to hit that target. It's never a bad idea to have a protein powder on hand. Um, I am not someone who always drinks a protein shake, but you bet your butt, I will put a scoop of protein in my coffee. I will put a scoop of protein in my oatmeal. I will put a scoop of protein in a protein mug cake at the end of the night when I'm feeling a little snacky. No, not all in the same day. I'm definitely not using three scoops of protein. Always cap it off at no more than one to two, uh, but having a high quality protein powder that actually digests into your system is going to be really helpful for that extra 25 to 35 grams or so. Uh, I will put the protein that I use in the description of today's episode as well, because this is the only protein, only one I have ever found that does not hurt my stomach. When I first started my fitness journey, I was working at a gym. Um, it was like the cool thing to do. Like you'd be done with your shift. You like go behind the smoothie bar and you like make yourself a protein shake. I felt like such a bro and I fucking loved it. And every day I would walk out of that gym, sipping my protein shake. By the time I left the, the front door to the time I got into my car, I would pretty much be doubled over with like one hand wrapped around my stomach and then the other one on the steering wheel like, all right, heading home. And I just thought, which I don't know why I didn't ask. I didn't know. I just thought that was kind of normal. It was like, oh, I'm drinking a protein shake. Like it's a little harder for my stomach to digest. Like all good. No, that ain't all good. If you're doubled over in pain with cramps and like shooting, stabbing pains through your stomach with the protein powder that you're eating, please do me a real big favor. You could pause this episode, take that jug of protein, go ahead, walk to your bathroom and dump it down the toilet. 
All right. That is not okay for your body. And so many protein powders out there have all this crazy nonsense and fillers and bullshit that they put in. And it's, it's, it's a nightmare. The supplement world is a nightmare. So I will link the one that I use personally, which is the only one I found that really doesn't bother my stomach. And I fucking love it. I actually have to convince myself not to use more than one to two scoops a day. I digress on protein. So I'll link that in the description. If you need a good one and yours is killing your stomach, I got you. So going through a reverse diet, eating more calories, eating more protein, that is going to then allow you, because again, this individual said I train super hard. So I'm going under the impression that they are strength training, you know, four to five times a week, you know, their RPEs are pretty high, they're progressively overloading, they're following a training program, we're covering all the bases, hoping that that's kind of already taken care of. And if that's the case, and we're not seeing progress, you need the calories, you need the protein. So even if that is the case, it's never a bad idea as well to really subjectively look at how hard you are training. Are you going in there, kind of going through the motions? Maybe your reps are a little bit slow towards the end. We are pushing, but it's not crazy. You're on your phone. You're talking to your friend. That is not a hard training session. I want you guys to think about this as the last two to three reps of your set should be so hard and challenging that you cannot hold a sentence. You cannot talk after your set is done. So if you re-rack that squat you know, you re-rack, you re-rack that squat. I can't speak. If you re-rack the barbell after you squat and you turn to your friend and you start talking about something on Instagram, that set you just did does not count. It was way too light. It was way too easy. And it's not going to force any adaptations to actually take place in your body. It didn't mean shit. Put on a little heavier weight. RPEs around seven to nine, 10, if you want to be a crazy lady and go from there. So eating enough calories, eating enough protein, lifting a little heavier, aka training a little bit harder. And then another total opposite side of things is resting more. If you are constantly training super hard, but you're not giving your body a chance to actually rest and recover from that training, you're not able to build muscle. Hence the skinny fat. We don't have any muscle to show because you're not giving your body a chance to actually build the muscle. You're putting in the work in the gym, but the muscle building takes place when you leave the gym. It takes place when you're resting and you're recovering and you're eating enough protein and you're getting enough sleep and you're stretching. That is when the recovery and the muscle building takes place so that you are stronger and bigger and better for your next workout. So making sure that you are taking at least two rest days a week is kind of a good rule of thumb. That's where I like to see for myself um, in order to actually be able to build that muscle. Now, it's also really important to note too, going kind of back to the cardio section I listed above. If you are skinny fat and you're like, I can't see any definition. I can't see any definition. I just want abs for the summer. And your immediate response is to hop on the Stairmaster or to start doing cardio or start doing spin classes. Like that is going to make matters worse because all that cardio is doing is then burning through any of the muscle mass that you do have on your body and decreasing it so that your body fat percentage is now actually even going up because, hey, maybe you lost five pounds, but you lost five pounds of muscle. We're now left at a skinnier weight, but a fatter weight because your body fat is going up. So doing cardio, again, is a tool for some, but if you're in the skinny fat category, I would highly recommend nixing all cardio, aiming for a daily step goal, and then really increasing and prioritizing strength training. Minimum four to five times a week if you can, and really making sure you are intentional with your time in the gym. And again, another reason this is so hard too, guys, like the skinny fat phenomenon has been around forever and ever, and it it, continue, it continuously will be, especially with women, because we are programmed to eat less. We're programmed to, you know, do a bunch of cardio. We're programmed to kind of restrict, like, oh, I'm not really hungry. I can kind of, you know, push this meal a little bit. And then all of a sudden our body starts burning the muscle we have in order to fuel what the heck is going on. Muscle in general is everyone, everyone's body's default is no muscle in a weird way. Think about it like this. If you were kind of left to your own devices and your body had to just figure out how the fuck to survive with like minimal food and minimal this, the first thing it's going to get rid of is your muscle mass. 
because muscle is incredibly hard for us to kind of upkeep and kind of like expensive when it comes to calories, like the price of calories and muscle is, is very, very costly. We need to burn through a lot of calories in order to upkeep to maintain muscle mass. So it, it's kind of like a, a, my, my middle school health teacher used to say this, and I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about, but calories are a muscle burning furnace. Oh my gosh, I said that backwards. He's going to kill me. <laughs> muscle is a calorie burning furnace. Sorry, Mr. Rhinus. Muscle is a calorie burning furnace. Okay. One more time. Muscle burns a ton of calories. So in order to upkeep the muscle, we have to eat a lot of calories. This is also why people who are very muscular, they can eat a ton more. Their metabolism is way higher. They can kind of sustain more, more intake coming in while still looking lean, still looking toned, still looking defined because that muscle just eats it all up. So by default, we want to get rid of that because our body's always in this like survival mode of how can I be as efficient as possible? Muscle ain't efficient. Think about it like driving cross country in a truck and you're helping your buddy move and you've got this giant couch on the back of the truck, in the bed of the truck. How much quicker would that truck move if you dumped that couch off? You said, fuck this, dump the couch. You'd be moving a lot faster. You'd probably go through way less gas. You'd get to your end destination probably a little bit quicker. Muscle is like that couch. Your body functions efficiently, we, but we need it. We need it. Your body functions, functions efficiently without that really calorie burning furnace uh, linked to it. So if you are training super hard, but you're not fueling those muscles, bye-bye muscles. We are now skinny because you're training super hard, but we are a higher body fat percentage. So in all in all, to kind of fix this, if you will, it really does come down to more calories, more protein, more strength training, more rest, and allowing yourself the time needed to really actually build. And with that being said, it is probably going to mean the scale will come up. And no, muscle does not weigh more than fat. Five pounds of fat weighs the same as five pounds of muscle. I hate when people say that. Muscle does not weigh more than fat. Muscle is a lot more compact than fat. Think about the size of a plasma screen TV. That is 10 pounds of body fat. Now think about the size of a book. That is 10 pounds of muscle mass. Plasma screen TV, a book. Which one takes up more space? The TV. It's not that the TV weighs anymore. It's 10 pounds but it takes up a lot more space. Body fat takes up a lot more space. So when you are building muscle, that muscle is going to weigh something. The scale is probably gonna come up, but you build up enough muscle, then going back to question number one with trying to lose body fat, you go into a small calorie deficit. Once all is said and done, you get rid of some of that body fat. You are now left with a lean, mean fight machine, compact, tone defined version of you that looks like a fucking badass. But the only way to get there is to build muscle first. So if this is you and this is kind of the relationship you're in where you're like, I feel like I'm working really hard, but I just don't really see any definition. We probably need to build a little bit more muscle. We probably need to be okay with eating a little bit more food, a little bit more protein, and seeing more of the gains, if you will, in order to shape the body composition that you really want. So all things cutting, calories, fat loss, and also a little bit of life advice from Coach D over here. I hope you guys enjoyed today's Q&A and always, always, always be on the lookout for Instagram stories. I will post the link every now and then for questions that I will use directly for the podcast. I will also put my email in the description of today's episode as well in case any of you guys want to email me over questions or email me over topics you would like to see me discuss. I think that would be a really cool way to just get a little bit more interaction as far as the daily episodes or daily uh, week 
weekly episodes and how they come out just to be able to connect with you guys as well. So if you have any questions, you know where to find me. I appreciate every single one of my MRPers and I will catch you guys next week.